Have you ever wondered why anyone drinks Malort? Or if there are actually lobsters in the Chicago River? Then listen to the Curious City podcast, where we answer all your questions about Chicago and the region. WBEZ's Curious City is part of the NPR network and available wherever you find your podcasts. I'm Justin Kaufman, and this is Reset. Let's go back to January 11, 2003. It was a different time in our country and our state and a different era in politics. On that day, Illinois Republican Governor George Ryan was about to close out four years in office when he made a bombshell of a speech that upended decades. You could even say centuries how justice works in America. About two and a half days before my term ends as governor, I stand before you to explain my frustrations and deep concerns about both the administration and the penalty of death. I'm commuting the sentence of all death row inmates, 167 of them. And even if the exercise of my power becomes my burden, I'll bear it. The move was the largest emptying of death row in U.S. history. It was a scathing rebuke of capital punishment that sparked a national debate, a worldwide debate about death sentences, and led to the end of the death penalty in Illinois. After Ryan left his post in 2003, he himself ended up in the criminal justice system, convicted of 18 felony corruption charges, and sentenced to six and a half years in prison. He was released in 2013. Governor George Ryan's legacy will always be a complicated one. On the one hand, he stood up against most of his party to end capital punishment in the state. He was even nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. On the other, though, he's part of a sad legacy of state lawmakers, including four governors who went to prison for corruption. Ryan's new book, written with investigative journalist Maurice Posley, is called Until I Could Be Sure, How I Stopped the Death Penalty in Illinois. George Ryan, the former governor of Illinois, joins us now. Governor Ryan, welcome to Reset. Thank you. Thank you very much. Nice to be with you. It's great to be with you. How, you, how are you? How are you feeling? I feel good. I feel good for an old guy. Not bad at all, as a matter of fact. Governor, let's start this conversation by going back to 1977. That's when the death penalty was reinstated in Illinois. You were a legislator at the time, and you supported it. Well, I always supported it. Long before 1977, I was always a fan. I shouldn't say a fan. I was always a supporter of it. Uh, you know, when you run for public office... Uh, the last thing you want to do is look like you're soft on crime. And if you voted against the death penalty, uh, that kind of made you look like you were soft on crime. But I honestly believe that it was a, a, a tool that should be in the box for the prosecutors, that it prevented maybe more crime, and that it was a necessary tool that, that should be had. But during the course of uh, campaigning, uh, nobody in the field ever said, uh, like you reporters, uh, what do you, how do you feel about the death penalty? However, when you run for office, you get questionnaires from every organization in the state. And I always marked that I was a pro-death uh, penalty guy. So I was always for it until I you know, really got involved in it and found out how bad it really was. Mm-hmm. And when did that happen? Well, what really triggered my attention was the Anthony Porter case in Chicago. Anthony Porter was a a little fellow that got uh, arrested and convicted and uh, sentenced to die for uh, the death of two people in a park on a drug deal that went bad. And he declared his innocence for years, but he spent 16 years on death row. And one uh, right after I got elected governor uh, back in uh, 99, uh, I was in the mansion with my wife uh, getting ready for dinner, and I was watching the 6 o'clock news from Chicago. 
And they bring this little fellow out, and he's all smiles and happy because he'd just been released by the courts uh, and uh, declared that he was innocent uh, in, the, in those deaths. And here's a fellow that spent 16 years on death row and waking up every morning saying, and I wonder if today's the day that they're going to uh, stick the needle in and kill me. And I turned to my wife and said, how does that happen in America? Poor guy sits on death row for 16 years. Then they tell him, well, you're innocent. Uh, you know, it's too bad. We made a mistake, and mm-hmm. we're going to let you out of jail. That's what really started me down the path to looking at the death penalty. This guy would have been executed had it not been for, uh, for the journalism students. They went out and hired a, 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 an investigator and got a confession from the real killer, a fellow by the name of Al Story Simon. They got him to confess that he was the guy that did it. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't the system that did that. And then the Tribune came out with a whole series about how, the, how bad the death uh, penalty was and uh, how fraught it was with heirs. Uh, misconduct by prosecutors, overzealous prosecutors, uh, bad defense lawyers. They were either, uh, you know, uh, incompetent or alcoholic or something that they're uh, trying to defend a fellow for his life. Didn't really keep up with what was going on. Jailhouse snitches, uh, the worst kind of testimony you can get in any case is some fellow that tells you, yeah, I sat in jail with this guy and he confessed everything to me. Now he let me out and I'll tell you about it. Uh, so that I looked at that and said, this thing is just, you know, it's just not right. right. And it needs to be corrected. There, and, there's a stat uh, in the book, and you keep coming back to it, this idea of, 11 people who were killed with the death penalty and, and 11 that were wrongfully convicted or dishonored. Right. But this idea that, that, that the, the number was 50-50 at one point. I mean, this right. idea that, that – that, and you talked about this analogy about, about a flight to Boston. Well, here, here's, here, here's what's the story. They had, they had the 25 guys on death row. 13 of them get exonerated by the courts, not, any, not anything I had to do with it. And 12 of them got executed. It was like flipping a coin, uh, and, and the system just didn't work. But I likened the, the, the death penalty to uh, flying an airplane from Boston to Chicago, and it, wrecks, it crashes uh, six days a week. Do you stop flying that airplane, or do you just keep flying it, is what I said. Mm-hmm. I think it's time to stop the airplane and uh, have a look at it and see what we have to do to keep it from crashing uh, uh, you know, the rest of the time. And- so that's what I did. I called a moratorium, and, and- then went on to... Uh, appoint a commission of, uh, I think it was 18 people, I don't really remember now uh, what the number was, but they came back with a recommendation, uh, with 85 recommendations to improve, if they could do that, for at least to reduce the risk of an innocent person being executed. And they had uh, some good things in there. It was an election year, and uh, like I said before, the politicians don't like to look like they're soft on crime. So uh, the House and the Senate uh, buried them. The Senate buried it in some committee someplace. And uh, Madigan was a speaker at the time, and he, he passed one of the recommendations, and that was the videotaping of confessions, uh, especially to capital cases. Uh, outside of that, it never went anyplace. Yeah. Uh, so... That's when uh, made a big part of my decision to commute the sentences of uh, all the people on death row. Yeah. It had to have been politically difficult for you because Republicans at that time, your attorney general and Jim Ryan, uh, Joe Burkett, who was the uh, DuPage County uh, prosecutor for a long time, also ran for uh, and, and served in, in many different capacities. 
They were not soft on crime. They wanted the death penalty. They said, this is, this is important to us. So it had to be difficult because the Republican Party in Illinois at that time was very pro-death penalty. There was one person on my staff uh, that thought I was uh, doing the right thing. And everybody else on my staff uh, either said, well, look, you know, you got to do what you got to do, or they were vehemently opposed to what I was doing. It was uh, not a pleasant situation, but Matt Bettenhausen, who uh, was my lead guy on the death penalty stuff pretty much, was there telling me I was doing the right thing. But everybody else was telling me I was doing the wrong thing. Was it hard at that moment? Because, again, this idea of, like you mentioned, like flipping a coin, but was it hard to go against your party? Was there was there thoughts about being uh, loyal to the Republican Party, to, to fall in line with some of the things that they were going for, or that they, they stood for in the early 2000s? Well, they never really, nobody ever put it to me on a, on a party line basis. You know, there was, these are people that have been found guilty by a jury of their peers. They've been sentenced to die. The system doesn't make mistakes. And you shouldn't do that and, uh, you know, destroy the, it's unconstitutional. It wasn't really a party thing with the, with the people that were opposed to it. It was just a thing that uh, they thought that here's a guy that's committed a crime, it's a, a terrible crime, and he's been sentenced to die, and that's what he deserves. Mm-hmm. There was uh, some criticism at the time, people who were across the aisle or, or people who were just watching uh, politics in Illinois, as, as you had mounting legal troubles that you were doing this, uh, to cover up for some of those legal troubles that eventually led to uh, you going to prison. Well, what, that was, you know, there what do you some say of the to that? reporters yeah. and some of the, the, the naysayers. But, uh, you know, uh, there wasn't a prosecutor in the state of Illinois that was uh, in favor of what I was doing, and some of them were pretty vocal about it, especially Joe, uh, what were you named him here in middle Burkett, yeah, Burkett, yeah. Yeah, Joe Burkett, he yeah. was terrible. <laughs> I think he's on the federal bench now or some bench someplace, it's, I'm sorry to say. But uh, he was he was one of the worst. Had state's attorneys that wrote nasty letters to me, and you know, told me I shouldn't do what I was doing, and and so if it did anything, it put a mark on me. Frankly, that's the way I figured uh, that here I'm a guy that's uh, you know doing away with the death penalty, and I shouldn't be doing it. And and uh, the prosecutors were all upset with me, uh, the, the federal prosecutors, and it even went to the point where George Bush was upset and made a call in after I did it, to let me know how upset he was. And George W. Bush, the president uh, at that time, had run on a death penalty almost like a platform because he had come from the state of Texas, and the state of Texas had uh, had a uh, strong death penalty, pro-death penalty uh, place. So, so obviously there was some friction with the White House at that time. Yeah, he executed everybody that got the death penalty. And, and I was always asked, when I, you know, I went around the country and spoke on this then uh, at the time, and every place I'd go, they'd say, well, what about George Bush? I was George Bush's campaign chairman the first time he ran for president in Illinois. And I'd get asked the question, well, what about George Bush, the governor of Texas? Uh, he says that uh, his, his system is such that he doesn't have any problems. I said, well, I don't know anything about his, prob- about his system, but my system's got problems. The system in Illinois doesn't work right, there's something wrong, and it needs to be fixed. And every time they'd ask Bush about it, he said, these people have had a fair trial and everything in our system works well, and my conscience is clear, they're guilty and they're going to die, and he killed them. Uh, and he was got to be president then, of course, and uh, uh, when, I, when I commuted the sentences. Yeah. And his uh, chief of staff called my then chief of staff and uh, let me know how upset he was. 
You have obviously uh, seen the criminal justice system close up uh, from your time as the governor of Illinois and uh, commuting the sentences, but also the moratorium on the death penalty to your time uh, in prison, in federal prison. From that vantage point of being in federal prison and you think about uh, the work that you did, but also just your views of the criminal justice system, what did you learn? What, what did you learn from your experience of being in prison? You know, it's, it's not a pleasant thing. It's a pretty unpleasant thing. And uh, I can't imagine spending my life in prison, uh, especially under the conditions I, the conditions I was in a camp. Uh, I wasn't really behind bars or locked up at any time. I, we, you know, the, if, you, if you get a certain sentence, you don't, you can go to the camp. And uh, you, you get a lot of freedom compared to the guy that is a murderer or a real convict that gets put behind the bars, let's say behind the wall. I had uh, a little more respect for all of that when I looked around and said, I couldn't believe what these guys that are hardcore criminals that, that get put in a big prison could live the way they live in a very small room for the rest of their life. I think it would be worse than death. Yeah. The problem with the process, with the system now, the, the, the Department of Justice, the, the Attorney General here just recently was talking about the overzealous prosecutors that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, the prosecutors that, uh, that went after me, one of them said that uh, he wanted to bag two governors, and he managed to do that. He got Bogoyevich and he got me. And I, uh, I went to jail for, for, I don't know, almost seven years. Yeah. And uh, uh, the, the, since that time, most of the things that I was convicted of and went to jail for are no longer against the law. Right. Yeah, I, it's your prerogative to say that. But I, I also know that, you know, there was some corruption charges in there that you went to jail for and that, and you were convicted. And then you talked about remorse at, at the trial. So the idea of, of going back and revisionist history, that's one thing. But I, I got to ask the question, are you saying that you were innocent and that you were unlawfully prosecuted? Or yes. you are saying I am, that? I, yeah, I have no, I have no feelings of guilt about anything I did when I was in public office, and uh, the, you know, whatever the conviction was, I, it really doesn't matter to me. My conscience is clear, and that's what counts. Well, what about? Have you come to terms with what happened to the Willis family? What do you mean? Have I come to terms with it? I mean, it didn't have anything to do with it? it didn't have any part of but my it, trial. It, it, there wasn't anything. It to was do maybe with not that. part of your trial, Governor, but but the idea that the corruption that 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 laid out at the Secretary of State's office led to a trucker getting a bad license and a trucker killing that family. I certainly didn't have anything to do with any of that, and there, like I said, there wasn't any part of my trial. I mean, I, I got a lot of sympathy for it, and I felt terrible about it. It was a really a bad accident, and terrible. But uh, there was, I had nothing to do with that at all. Yeah. It happened in Wisconsin. Uh, they were upset because I didn't send the people up to investigate Wisconsin. But, you know, I don't know if, if I was governor and had an, they had an accident down here and we investigated it in Illinois. And then Wisconsin comes down and said, well, you didn't do a good job. I wasn't going to do that. So, but, no, my conscience is clear on the Willis children. How do you view your legacy? Are you 86 years old? I don't view old? it. I leave you it don't? to guys like you. <laughs> Because this book is about your legacy. It's about the death penalty. It's about the moratorium that you did, the first state in the uh, union to do so, uh, nominated for a Nobel Prize. But we also six know, times. Six, and and we're, we also know that you were convicted of corruption and, and sent to prison for six and a half years. Yeah. So how do you want the state of Illinois residents, people who, who know, hear your name, what do you want them to think of? What do you want your legacy well, to be? Well, you know, I'm going to leave that up, like I said. I'm going to let those people make the decision. My conscience is clear about what I did when I was in office. And uh, uh, I'm at an age now where uh, I don't know how much longer I got to live, but I did a lot of good things, I feel, and uh, I didn't cheat anybody out of any money or 
do anything crooked uh, uh, that uh, that had to be. When I look back now at what's going on with the FBI and the prosecutors, uh, they are awfully uh, overzealous in a lot of cases. Uh, look what they did to Bogoyevich, 14 years. That was, uh, that was a bad sentence, and I don't know why he got that was because some prosecutor felt that he wanted to put a feather in his head. Well, a lot will say that they got that sentence because of the fact that he was the, the next governor, two governors in a row that uh, were convicted of corruption. That's what I said. The prosecutor said he wanted to bag two governors. He made that statement. Former Governor George Ryan has written a book. It's called Until I Could Be Sure, How I Stopped the Death Penalty in Illinois. Governor, this was a big part of Illinois history, and I know a lot of people want to know more about the decision you made and and more about your life and your work. So I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you. And that's today's Reset. For more great conversations like this, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. It's the best 20 minutes you'll spend all day. And it's free. I'm Justin Kaufman. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you right back here tomorrow. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.